open up your mind and let your fantasies unwind. That's right, folks. This week we're talking about Phantom of the Opera right here on the movie musical Shakedown. Let's get it going. Joel Schumacher film. Andrew Lloyd Webber's The Phantom of the Opera on the big screen for the first time. Rated PG-13. Starts Wednesday, December 22nd. You've got talent. Let's see what we can do with it. You're going to make me believe that you belong on that stage. Dancing on that show is my dream. Alrighty. Ugh. I am so excited for tonight's podcast, folks. We are tackling, arguably, well, I don't think there's really even an argument anymore. I mean, the most iconic movie musical of all time, The Phantom of the Opera. Or I should say the most iconic musical of all time. I don't know if it's the most iconic movie musical of all time, but um, certainly um, a very, very popular musical. I mean, it's the longest-running Broadway production in history, uh, which, you know, got to give credit where credit's due. Um, and arguably, I think, the most iconic male and female roles in musical theater history. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have a problem putting that out there. There you go. So we're, we're talking about Phantom of the Opera tonight, and I'm very, very excited to be doing this. I mean, you know, this is three episodes in, and we're already tackling this beast so I am very, very excited about this. Uh, I am going to be joined in a little bit by my co-host, uh, Carly Marie Gunderson, who is an incredible, talented uh, performer in her own right and a huge Phantom fan. And she actually has some really, really interesting things to say um, about this movie. So I'm really excited to have her on uh, because she's just an incredible resource and, and just an incredible person too so yeah looking forward for all of you to meet her uh, in just a little bit but you know we're talking about all things phantom of the opera uh tonight and let's let's just talk talking about facts about this movie first of all it came out december 22nd 2004 so it's almost 14 years old so to speak which is makes me really old because this was the winter after i graduated college so that brings back some memories um on that end but uh it was made on a 55 million dollar budget another 15 million was spent on marketing and publicity total gross came out to just about 50 million uh domestically and then it made another 100 overseas so total gross about 154 million total uh when this movie came out wasn't loved by the critics um and that might be putting it lightly uh rotten tomato score was 32 percent so did not get a lot of high marks um you know for its merit so to speak um and it had an interesting production history i mean you know it was originally bought by warner brothers and and they gave andrew Lloyd weber total control and then lloyd weber brought it back uh and and put his own money into the film so a lot of a lot of issues behind the scenes uh, when it came to bringing this to the big screen. But interesting cast, 
nonetheless, you've got Gerard Butler, you know, literally right before he um, starts to make the climb as a, as a Hollywood star, so to speak. I mean, this is two years before 300. Um, interesting casting on his part. I mean, he had no formal professional training as a singer at all. Um, he had taken four voice lessons uh, before he did his audition for <laughs> Music of the Night in front of Andrew Lloyd Webber. Uh, but Joel Schumacher and Andrew Lloyd Webber loved Gerard Butler because they had seen him in a couple movies such as Dracula 2000 and kind of thought he personified this kind of rock and roll vibe that I guess Andrew Lloyd Webber wanted for the movie version of this of this musical which you know obviously we hadn't really seen before in the stage musical so um, interesting casting choice on that end especially when you look at the final result which is probably the most notable thing uh, and most memorable memorable thing uh, from this movie um, other interesting casting choices Emmy Rossum right before she kind of hits it big um, you know she'd done you know Day After Tomorrow, she'd done Mystic River, um, and now she uh, is doing Phantom of the Opera. And she was 16 when she was cast. In fact, she was actually going back and forth on whether or not she actually wanted to audition for this movie because the audition actually fell on the same weekend as a family reunion that she was having in Canada. Um, so she almost didn't go to the audition because of that family reunion. Thankfully, someone kind of got in her ear and told her, you know, what are you, what are you thinking? Scheduling was, was, you know, made available and she auditioned and got, eventually got the role. Um, other interesting casting choices in this movie, uh, Minnie Driver playing Carlotta, uh, in this movie yet dubbed throughout the entire film when singing, which was again, an interesting choice. Uh, nonetheless, again, I will always say what is Minnie Driver doing in this movie? She brings nothing to that role and that's not a knock on her in terms of talent it's just that it's the role itself you don't need a name in that role and not for nothing but no one is going to go see phantom of the opera because mini driver is playing carlotta it's not a name enough for that role it's not a role that demands a well-known actress you could have put anybody in that role and they would have been just as fine heck you could have probably put the person that dubbed Mini <laughs> Driver's voice uh, in that role and gotten the same exact performance out of him. So again, really confusing casting on that end. Um, but other I, strong casting, I would say all around in, in terms of this film. I mean, you've got Syrian Hines um, and and Simon Callow as Fermin and Andre. Uh, Simon Callow is one of my favorite actors um, ever. I mean, there's I don't think I've not liked him in any of his theater or film work uh in the past so kudos to him uh same thing for Tyrion Hines I mean I love 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 them as as actors uh Miranda Richardson another underrated actress and at that time she was doing a lot of like kind of creepy um sinister villainous roles uh and this you know as playing Madame Geary I mean again kind of right up her alley at the time um but I love you know what she was bringing to the table uh Jennifer Ellison playing her daughter uh, Meg, you've got um, just a, just a really strong cast all around. And of course, Patrick Wilson. I mean, it goes without saying, Patrick Wilson, you know, hot off of Broadway, uh, pre-Watchmen, pre-Children, um, Little Children. Uh, you, you've got you, you've really got him at a nice point in his career when he's really about to to explode and and become a name. Uh, and 
you know, being today, November 25th, um, Patrick Wilson is about to blow up in a whole different way, which we are going to talk about a little bit later um, in this podcast as well. But um, strong overall cast. Again, interesting casting choices here and there. But um, all in all, I mean, some a lot of those people in that cast truly, truly belong there. So um, really interesting on that, on that note. Um, but now, uh, before we get any further, I'm going to bring in my co-host, um, and I am extremely thrilled to have her uh, on with me today. I am, t- of course, talking about Carly Marie Gunderson. Now, Carly is a musical theater performer in both professional and community theater in the beautiful state of Florida. Um, some of her favorite past roles, I mean, my gosh, she's got quite the resume here. I mean, her previous roles include Diana in Next to Normal, Nadia in Bear, a pop opera, Lucy in Jekyll and Hyde, Susan in Title of Show, Princess Fiona in Shrek the Musical. I mean, my gosh, what has this woman not done? And she's an award-winning actress. She's won acting awards for both her performance as Tracy Turnblad in Hairspray and as Nancy in Oliver. And you also might have seen her singing backup for Josh Groban, most notably in his stop in Tampa, Florida, which is an incredible opportunity on that. And Carly's favorite musical, as she will tell you, is Phantom of the Opera, which is why I am so thrilled to have her on this podcast because she's got some really interesting notes um, about this 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 movie. Um, she lives in Breeze Theater. Currently, she's actually starring in the musical Heather's uh, in the role of Martha Dunstock, and that's going to be coming up a little bit later, um, and uh, and she'll talk about her role and talk about some of the things that she's doing uh, in that production as well. Um, but I'm extremely happy uh, to bring her in. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's move on to uh, some really cool sections. But of course, let me bring on Carly Marie Gunderson. Thank you so much. So let's talk about. Um, production drama so to speak Uh, i call this section production hell and this is where we kind of talk about some of the interesting development stories uh juicy tidbits uh behind the scenes drama from the actual film itself interesting notes here about the actual um the actual story itself as i mentioned before this movie was in development hell for a long time warner brothers originally had the rights back in 1990 did nothing with it until andrew lloyd Webber bought them back and then decided to make it on his own um other than that there really wasn't a lot of drama about getting this this film to the big screen it was actually a pretty seamless process other than the fact that it always had joel schumacher attached to it um and um andrew lloyd Webber was going to have complete creative control about this movie which some could say was a great thing. Some could say is a bad thing. Um, you know, that it's a debatable point. Um, but some interesting, just some interesting tidbits uh, about the making of the film. Um, it took it took Gerard Butler about four hours uh, to be fitted with full makeup and prosthetics. Um, both Gerard Butler and Patrick Wilson absolutely hated filming um, all the water scenes uh, at the end of the movie there during the climax. And interestingly enough, Joel Schumacher actually lit the entire set on fire to destroy it during the actual theater fire that you see in the film. So what you're seeing in the film is actually authentic destruction um, of the set, which I think is, is hey, wow. you're going for it there. I guess you're going for it there. Um, but it, it's pretty interesting on that end. Um, and then... Uh, so not a lot of drama back, backstage. I mean, you, you know, a lot of a lot of... Uh, movie musicals out there have a lot of drama attached to it. This one, uh, not so much, which I think is uh, is pretty good. Um, 
casting close calls. Here's here's where it gets interesting, Carly. And for those of you who are just joining us, uh, I, of course, am talking to the amazing Carly Marie Gunderson, who is an incredible actress in her own right, um, has done some incredible, incredible things uh, over her career. Um, yeah, I mean, Carly, just incredible performer. You're both a professional and community theater uh, performer in the state of Florida. And some of her past roles include, oh, my gosh, Diana in Next to Normal, Nadia in Bottom. Bear Pop Opera, Lucy and Jekyll and Hyde, Susan and Tyler Show. Oh my gosh, Prince of Fiona and Shrek the Musical. Carly, is there a dream role that you haven't uh, attacked yet or played yet by any chance? <laughs> um, surprisingly, yes. I would definitely say um, Ursula and Little Mermaid is definitely. Oh up my there gosh. <laughs> and just, just knowing your voice and knowing your performance style, you would crush that role in a heartbeat, which I think is amazing. Um, and currently you are starring in Heather's the Musical as the role of Martha Dunstock, which is, again, one of my favorite movie music, uh, excuse me, one of my favorite movies, I should say. Also one of my favorite musicals and one of my favorite roles. And I think that song, um, Kindergarten Boyfriend, is one of the most just heartbreaking songs I've ever heard. And I can't even imagine you singing a song like that. Just real quick, I know I know we're, we're talking about movie musicals and, and Phantom, but really quick, Talk about your your role in, in playing Martha Dunstock real quick about Heather's. Like, how are you attacking that role? Anything that juicy tidbits that have been coming out of that performance? Well, we're kind of at the beginning of the process, um, but I do know um, I was called back for Veronica, both Veronica and Martha, um, and both of the callbacks I actually felt pretty confident about, which never happens for me. Um, so, uh, you know, with Martha though, I can, that song, Kindergarten Boyfriend, like you said, it, it was hard not to cry and everyone on the panel was in tears. And I think with Martha, you know, she's, she's just really bubbly and fun and excited, but also she has such thick skin. And I think that that's very similar to who I am as a person. Um, so I can relate to her very well, and I'm just I'm really excited to to dive into the character and, and give my own little twist to it. But she, yeah, definitely has thick skin. I mean, she's called every name in the book, and it's it's really heartbreaking. But it's you know it's it's the truth. It's it's what happens. So I'm I, I'm excited. I can't wait. It is what it is. That's awesome. What a fantastic role, and I I, I can't wait to see what that production looks like. Um. Getting back into Phantom, let's talk about some casting close calls. As we know, when you develop these movie musicals, um, a lot of people are considered for these roles. A lot of people audition and, and roles are sometimes offered and then uh, rejected. And, and this, uh, because it had been de- development for so long, Phantom of the Opera had a lot of people um, attached to it. So just just for the role of Phantom alone, at one point, the very first actor that was chosen uh, was actually John Travolta. Which I found out, which I thought was <laughs> would have been quite the the interesting choice, if you ask me. Um, other people that were considered: Antonio Banderas, uh, Meatloaf of all people, which I thought was pretty interesting. Heath Ledger. Hugh Jackman. What was that? Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Well. Yep, absolutely. And Matthew McConaughey were all considered for the role of wow. Phantom, which I think. Interestingly enough, you would have probably gotten different types of performances in this movie. We remember it in much different ways with each one of those actors playing the role. Um, in the role of Christine, uh, in Christine, interestingly enough, the role was originally offered to Catherine Zeta-Jones, who turned it down uh, because she had just done Chicago, just won the Academy Award for Chicago, and she didn't want to do back-to-back musicals uh, in a row. Carly, what would you have 
thought seeing a, a Phantom of the Opera with John Travolta and Catherine Zeta-Jones in it. Would you have felt the same way about the movie as you do now? No. <laughs> I don't know if I'd like it as much as I, as I do now uh, with those yeah, two. Yeah, I'm not for it. I'm sorry. I, You know what? Chicago was absolutely incredible. That's definitely top five best movie musicals for me. Um, and I love Catherine Zeta-Jones, but I'm sorry. She unfortunately does not have, the, at least not that I know of, the range to sing Christine. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I can't wait for her to prove me wrong, but I, I just <laughs> I don't think that I would be impressed with that. I think not I'd at be all. really upset. Different voice. <laughs> it would be a different voice. There you go. Um, other actresses that were considered for Christine Daae, Charlotte Church, which would have been an interesting choice because she could definitely hit those notes. Um, Anne Hathaway was also at once um, attached to this as well. Um, Kitty Holmes uh, also offered the role of, of Christine Daae and turned it down. Um, and finally, Kate Winslet was considered, which is, you know, I, I think an interesting choice, but I don't think in 2002, 2004, Kate Winslet would probably do this movie. She's, you know, she's just on Titanic. So she's, she's got other things on her mind doing, but, um, Katie Holmes, I mean, Anne Hathaway, Charlotte Church, those would, I think would be really interesting choices vocally, uh, for this role. Cause I really, we really haven't heard Katie Holmes sing at all. Have we? Not that I know of. I mean, I would be down with, um, Charlotte Church. She has a gorgeous voice. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about Katie Holmes. Interesting, interesting. And also, Kira Knightley also auditioned for the role of, of Christine Daae and was, you know, denied. So, um, interesting choices all around. I think, and again, like you said, I, I mean, with each person, I think this this definitely becomes a different movie altogether than, you know, Emmy Rossum and, uh, and Gerard Butler. I mean, um, interestingly note, too, I mean, Gerard Butler was cast having had no professional singing uh, experience whatsoever took four singing lessons before he auditioned uh, to sing Music of the Night in front of uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Um, so he was an interesting choice. What are, what are your thoughts on Gerard Butler? Because I, when anybody, t- any, any, I can't even talk. Anytime anybody ever talks about Family Opera, the movie, he's the first thing that people talk about. What, what are your thoughts, Carly, on, on Gerard Butler overall? Well, um, overall, I think that he was a good choice. Um, Singing-wise, no. Um, but I do think that he, he obviously looks the part, um, even though I, I actually was not really impressed with his makeup um, for, for the film. Um, but he, he definitely, acting-wise and looks-wise, he really um, sold, sold it for me. So I could definitely see why they chose him. Um, and it's not that he's like an absolutely horrible singer, because he's not. But he just, he's, he's not Phantom of the Opera quality. I right. do think that they would have had several better options to play Phantom, for sure. That's a good point. That's a good point. He does have a kind of a rock star um, type of voice, which you just don't think for Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> Um, just, that wasn't necessarily my, my first choice, uh, in, in the singing style. Um, so general thoughts about the movie. So you mentioned, you know, your first ter- time seeing it. The first time I saw it, uh, was literally the winter after I graduated college and I saw it with an ex-girlfriend of mine. So when I rewatched this, um, the other night, um, it kind of waves of nostalgia of that relationship came back. And of course that was not the most positive trip down memory lane positive, uh, but, um, it, it, it was 
an interesting film. I remember seeing it at the time and being slightly disappointed overall. Um, but then watching it, rewatching it um, the other day on Netflix, by the way, not to give Netflix a plug, but it's available on Netflix right now. Um, I actually liked it a little bit more than I than I remembered about it. I mean, Carly, what do you when you're when you rewatch this film? Do, what, do your feelings change about the overall film itself? Yes, um, I I guess I would say that I'm I'm opposite from you on that. Just because, again, like I said, I was so young when I saw it for the first time, had no knowledge of the musical, and I was like, oh my god, I have to do musicals. This is my life. I love it. I'm obsessed. <laughs> um, so, watching it now, if I would have never seen the 25th anniversary concert with Tara Bogus and Ramen Karamloo at Royal Albert Hall, then I may have a different opinion today. But I can't help but to compare um, because <laughs> there's honestly no one better, in my opinion, than everyone in the 25th anniversary concert. Um, so watching it now, I'm, I guess I'm a little bored with it and I guess more critical of each character's voice and acting choices and everything. I guess I just have more knowledge now, obviously, because I'm not 14, but <laughs> <laughs> still, um, I, I love, I love both of them. I'm not saying the movie sucks because it doesn't, like I said, it's, it's definitely up there for me as far as one of the better movie musicals out there. Um, but I definitely don't like it as much as I did before. Interesting. Interesting. Um, and you know, you bring up a good point. I mean, Rami uh, Camillo uh, was in the movie himself and, you know, they already dubbed Minnie Driver. Um, you know, her voice is dubbed in the in the film. And I, I kept watching this. I'm like, why don't they just use his voice to dub over <laughs> uh, Gerard Butler's? And then it, get, it becomes a completely different film um, altogether. But uh, that, was a, that was an interesting casting choice. But it was good to see him in the movie playing uh, Christine's dying uh, father there, which was pretty cool. Um, did you know, have you noticed anything new about the film as you as you watch it now, like things that you, that jump out to you that you're like, oh, I didn't notice that before. Oh, um, you know, I, I I thought I liked that earlier, and now I don't like that so much. Yeah, definitely. Um, I noticed um, several um, different changes um, for scenes, um, as far as like them adding in things that aren't in the actual stage musical. Um, I noticed um, like the the ending scene, especially. Um, where, you know, when Raoul's old and, you know, goes to Christine's grave um, and he drops off, you know, the monkey at her, at her grave and sees the rose there, you know, that's, that's not in the stage musical. Mm -hmm. um, and also I noticed there's so many things in the, in the movie that are spoken that are sung in the stage version um, of the, of the show, which, bothers me too because i can't help but hum it in my head when they're speaking it it's awkward to me right you know you know another movie that's really guilty of doing that is rent um a lot of the, yes. the spoken dialogue in that movie uh, are actually lyrics which I, I just like you i'm like no sing that oh my god the craziness I know. like why did you choose not to sing that i don't get it you know and even like even just very small things from from when Christine notices Raoul before he notices her, and 
you know, the things like that in the movie that are different from, you know, the stage version. At first, you know, he sees Christine perform and notices her right away, you know. So uh, just even little tidbits like that are, are very different throughout the film, which, I, you know, I didn't mind. I thought that, you know, there were, there were nice touches to that. Um, but again, I'm just, I guess I'm just privy to the, to the stage version a little bit, but, um, I, I did enjoy the movie and, and the changes that they added in. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. One thing I did notice, um, that I didn't notice before was you actually hear a little bit of the score from the sequel of Phantom the Opera that Angela Wilbur wrote, Love Never Dies. Um, there's a, a part where... Christine is, is getting in the carriage, sneaking out to go visit her father's grave. And the score that you hear in the background is a snippet from the song Beneath the Moonlit Sky from Love Never Dies, which I thought was an interesting, you know, choice to, right. to put of music. I was like, oh, well, OK, I guess I guess we're teasing <laughs> Love Never Dies here. Um, <laughs> it was just one of those random things that just stuck out to me like, oh, OK, got, gotcha. OK, Um so if you know if we if if this movie takes place in the um, Love Never Dies universe, then there are some other questions later on that I have to ask uh, about this film as well. But let's get into the categories because this is where it gets uh, pretty interesting and where um, you know both Carly and I can really kind of give some really interesting opinions about things that you know we liked and, and perhaps didn't like about this movie. So with any movie musical, I think there are four important elements that need to be you know just crushed and nailed and, and just killed to make it a success. And obviously that's the singing, the dancing, acting and design. So what I'd like to do is just kind of go down and rate both, you know, I want Carly, I want you to give me what you think rated from top, you know, one to 10, 10 being the best, what you feel is the singing, dancing, acting and design. So let's start with singing. What would you give rated one to 10 reasoning the whole nine yards for, for singing? Overall, right? Overall, overall. Okay. Um, so for singing overall, I would say probably a six. Um, acting, I would say a four. <laughs> <laughs> Dancing, I would say a nine. And design, I would say a ten. Wow. You know what's funny is that you and I matched almost on every single category. Um, I, I I gave it a six exact on the dot because I felt that, I mean Gerard Butler's voice really does bring down the average there. Um, but um, yeah. everybody else, everybody else in the movie can pretty much sing. I mean, it's it's actually a, a really strong cast vocally. I mean, you've got Patrick Wilson and the Rossum. Um, it's not bad, right? Yeah, it's not. Uh, Patrick Wilson is, Tim, I love his voice, so he's really bringing up that score. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, I think overall it's just, yeah, it's a strong, strong uh, vocally sounding cast, but yeah, you're right. I mean, that, that Butler sound just kind of brings down the old average. Um, you know, acting, I, I, I gave it a little bit of a higher score. I actually gave it a seven to be quite honest with you, just cause I thought that, oh, wow. yeah, some of the supporting members of the cast, I thought did a better job of, uh, of bringing up the, the realism. And I, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what it is about Miranda Richardson, but I, I just love her and everything that she does. Um, so it was great to see her as a uh, Madam Jerry, um, dancing you, what was your rating for dancing again? 
I gave it a nine. You know what? I had it pretty high too. I gave it a seven because even though you don't get your traditional choreography from you like you'd normally see from a lot of movie musicals, the choreography here works. I mean, what was your favorite um, example of, of, of choreography that you saw in this movie? I would say um, Point of No Return mm. um, and also, of course, just the um, beginning rehearsal, you know, as everyone came out and that one guy, shirtless guy, is doing his uh, pirouette <laughs> after pirouette after pirouette. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, it's, um, I, I've always loved that. And um, I think they really, they, they did a great job with it for sure. You know, it's funny. It's, uh, for me, like, you know, there's actually a really strong... Um, some really strong choreography in Masquerade. Um, so you really do get mm-hmm. that. And interestingly enough, I mean, the whole the, the movie was choreographed by Peter Darling, who is is known for being uh, the choreographer for shows such as Merrily Roll Along, um, Our House, um, Groundhog Day. I mean, he's done a lot of really good choreographed pieces so i mean you, you had a legit choreographer here so um i don't i i, I agree 100 percent. i thought the the, the design uh the the um dance uh was really really strong in that regard and then obviously design you gave it a 10 right i mean that's i i was right with you i i gave it a nine just because i mean the look of this film is absolutely gorgeous um what are your thoughts oh, on the design yeah so i um i when the chandelier dropped from everything, I, I just, I loved everything from, you know, the movie starting out in black and white to once the chandelier dropped at the auction, everything transformed back into color. The, and, you know, just even the, you know, when they took us backstage, you know, to show, you know, backstage and then, you know, the lights, everything top to bottom. I, there was, when I think of Phantom of the Opera in my head without even seeing that movie, that's what I would have pictured in my head. So that's why I give it a 10 because I, they really, really nailed it on the head for me. Like I pictured everything, that whole theater, the set, everything from the elephant they brought out to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the backstage, everything. That's what I pictured in my head. And, and that's why you know, that's what really makes it for me is if that's what I picture in my head and I see it in front of me, it's like, wow, that's, that's really, really cool. That's awesome. And I, I agree a hundred percent on all those points. Um, yeah, no, it's absolutely just, a, just a gorgeous, gorgeous film. And, um, that's why it actually not, it was nominated for three Academy Awards for design. So there you go. Um, so moving on to the next section, numbers that we could do without and numbers that we needed. And you know, the interesting thing about this movie is that everything was in it. I mean, I kind of looked down the score of, of the, the movie, mu- the musical, and then looked at the movie musical. The movie's actually two and a half hours long. So, I mean, I, there's really not a lot missing in terms of songs um, in this in this movie. So that's why, I, I don't know about you, Carly, but I, I when it came to numbers that we needed, I put nothing because everything that we needed was in there. What did, what did you, did you put anything in that category? No, numbers that we needed... Oh. All of them. I mean, they're they're all yeah. necessary to me. I, I that's that's what I exactly what I put down for sure. Exactly. Now, how about numbers that we could do without any songs in this movie? Um, that that you're just like, yeah, probably don't need a song there. They probably could have cut that for time and things like that. I mean, for me, I think that all of the songs. I don't know if they're all necessary, but it, when you're you know listening to anything Andrew Lloyd Webber. 
I'm like, why would you even think about cutting any part of that? Because it's <laughs> so beautiful and amazing. Um, of course, you know, I absolutely love pre-Madonna, but, you know, we could have, you know, lived and moved on without that number. Um, but I actually wrote down, and I don't even know if this counts, but the ending credits number, the Learn to Be Lonely. <laughs> yeah. Um, because, and, and you know what? I know Minnie Driver did not actually sing in the movie, and I don't know what it was that, you know, had her like, oh, we absolutely need her, so so much to the point that we're going to dub her voice. Um, and and it, the song is beautiful. Even the, you know, the Learn to Be Lonely song, um, even the, at, at the end, you know, when Raoul goes to the grave, it, you can hear the instrumental parts of that song at the end, and it's absolutely heart-wrenching. Mm. But, so I'm not going to take that away from her, but I was just kind of like, this is so random. I didn't expect to hear this song at the end of this movie. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those, like, yeah, how do you do an end credits to a, a, a movie musical when you've put the entire score in the actual movie itself. It's, it, it was an interesting choice. And, and to your point, I mean, I will always question the casting of Mini Driver in this movie for that role. I mean, it's one of those roles Thanks. that I'm like, I mean, I, I would put Mini Driver in a, in a high caliber of actress category. And Same. it's just one of those, like, why did you need some her? She gives nothing to the role. She doesn't do anything that any other actress who's played that role before her, other than actually singing, uh, has done. And then you give her a song at the end to prove that she can sing. I guess I, I don't know. I, it was it it her casting. Right. In like a... here's your gold medal. Like I, I don't know <laughs> what else to tell you. But like yeah, it's it's true. Like I do. I love Minnie Driver and I love yeah. her. I, I think she's a great actress. But again, I just sat sat there and thought about too. Like well, who else showed up for that role? You know, like. <laughs> Were they just like really like man? We're screwed. You know she's the best. Let's dub her. Right, you know? right. <laughs> like you know, cast that role. Somebody get me Mini Driver on the phone. We need to. It's like it's weird. Right, like ASAP. We need her. Oh, so that that'll always remain a mystery to me. Um, for me, you know, it's interesting. Even though I think it's an absolutely gorgeous song, I've always felt that wishing you were somehow here again doesn't need to be in the show. Um, no. I know, right? And it, and it kills me because it is a gorgeous song. And, you know, it's one of those songs, too, where I'm like, you know what? He could have probably just put this in another one of his shows. Uh, it would have been fine. But it's just in terms of the narrative, uh, I'm just like, yeah, she's going to see her, her dad's grave. And, you know, she's sad. She's thinking about him. But I'm like, yeah, just having a, a long ballad there, it just kind of breaks up the entire movie itself. And it kind of slows things down. But, yeah, you know what? It, it is a beautiful song, nonetheless. Um and and I do like the way they shoot it in the film um, of her kind of walking around the yeah. cemetery. I mean, I will say for sure about wishing you were somehow here again. I, I really, one thing I will give Emmy Rossum about her acting in that film, I felt more of a connection to, between her and her father and how that song was more necessary in the film than it is in the stage musical. Because when I'll go to see Phantom on stage, I don't, I don't feel a, an extreme connection between Christine and her father. I don't know why. Mm. I don't know if it's just the productions that I've seen. But in the film, she talks with Meg about her father, and they spend a little bit more time on that. Um, in the stage version, I don't remember that happening as much. So I, I, I'm just like, oh, that's a really pretty song, and yeah, she loved her dad. You know, mm -hmm. but... <laughs> 
I, I guess that's just my my personal opinion on it. Interesting, but. interesting. Well, I think good points all around. Absolutely. So let's let's move on to the next section. What's timeless and what's dated? Now, here this is an interesting category to talk about because the movie takes place in the 1800s, so you could make the case that everything is dated. Um, but uh, it was written obviously in the 1980s and filmed and made in in the early 2000s. So I'm going to start off with you, Carly. Did you see anything that you felt? Uh, was timeless about about this movie musical elements that you felt were timeless well i don't know if i'll have the best answer for you on this one because phantom of the opera is timeless it's yeah it's never going away it's it's been around forever people love it people cherish it and i don't i don't think that that will ever die um and as far as it being dated like you said i mean it is dated it's supposed to be dated so <laughs> there's nothing it's both timeless and dated both timeless um, and dated yeah you know i i really don't have anything else to to add on that besides you know that phantom of the opera is so popular it's the stereotypical oh you love theater oh so you must love phantom of the opera <laughs> you know it, like you know well yeah it's, it's my favorite musical but whatever you know get over it um <laughs> I, I don't know. That That's really all I have to say about those questions. I sat there and thought about it and was like, you know, I can't, I can't even really elaborate on that because it's both timeless <laughs> and dated. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those, it's, it's a weird, it, it's one of those weird, um, movie musicals to tackle because you just you just nailed it i mean there's there's so many timeless and dated things about it you know it's interesting i kind of i i really struggled just like you to kind of come up with answers so i just kind of wrote some notes here. i was like i guess what's timeless opera i mean opera's not going anyway uh, away anytime soon so that's always going to be here um i thought divas like having a, a company diva is something that's always mm. timeless you know it's like you i'm sure in your performance um uh, history. You've you've worked with a couple divas who were probably ludicrous. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> so it it was one of the things where I looked at that the, that Carlotta's behavior. I'm like, yeah, I've, I I know exactly who that is. <laughs> things like that. Right. Ugh, so, um, so yeah, diva is definitely something that time is. Also, I think theater ownership trying to make it you know all about themselves and trying to be public faces of of their theater. We see a lot of that on Broadway today. I I know more theater owners um, nowadays than ever before, and, and it's simply because of their own self-promotion. So uh, that's something that really stood out to me uh, was like theater ownership trying to become the face of, of the theater. But in terms of dated, you, you know, you nailed it on the head. I mean, you know, it, everything's dated about this because it was, you know, it's based in the 1800s and, and made in the 1980s, but that's also what makes it timeless and, and I think what makes it so appealing to so many fans and why, just like you said, and you're 100% right, it's never going um, away anytime soon. Um, I just found out actually recently that it's lease at the majestic, I think is in perpetuity. So it can stay there as long as they want uh, on Broadway wow. with, without any, like, you know, it's, it's not going to end in 2022. It's not going to be 2030. It's, it's whenever they want to pull it, they can pull it. If they've got a permanent home there, which I think is pretty remarkable and, and a first really for Broadway theaters. Uh, but before we get on to the next category, I have to ask you, Carly, cause you've said this a couple of times. Why is Phantom, your favorite musical of all time? It honestly is the musical that I am hysterical, crying, snot pouring down my nose, <laughs> goosebumps everywhere from start to finish. I, there is literally 
nothing about the musical, even the song, you know, about the notes, you know, where everyone's getting annoyed and they're like, you know, God, why are they rushing and interrupting each other all over the, you know, all over the place? I love it. I It's honestly had such a special place in my heart. It tears at my heartstrings. And I, there is nothing about it that I don't like. Um, and also, it's, it's also me being a performer, one of those things where I know that I'm never going to get to perform this role unless if I'm on Broadway. <laughs> so, you know, it's like one of those, like, you know, I'll still have this dream and fantasy in my head of being Christine or Carlotta. That would be great. Oh, um, I love it. But no, it, it's, it's mainly just the music and, and just Andrew Lloyd freaking Weber is <laughs> everything. <laughs> it really is. A, it, it, I mean, this this musical really is Andrew Lloyd Webber at his apex of creativity. I mean, it, you really do get some of his strongest melodies. And I know that there are some Andrew Lloyd Webber fans out there that like to say that, like, no, no, Evita or Jesus Christ Superstar, that's his overall best work. And I'm like, yeah, but I mean... To your point, there's something sweepingly epic about Phantom that you don't get from any of those other shows um, that right. he's done. And, you know, for me as a kid listening to this, I I actually, you know, just like a lot of people out there, I, I had the cast recording on CD at home, listened to it constantly. So I, you know, before I even saw the show live, so I had no idea what the context of these songs meant. So I actually remember writing down like a script almost of what I thought that this show looked like uh, around these songs. And I, when I saw it live, I was completely wrong about all my assumptions, but um, yeah, there's, there's something about that overture, you know, when that symphony kicks in right after uh, that first, you know, 16 bars there that just, it just, it's a chill moment. You just get chills. I can't handle it. I can't. It's too much. I like, wait, I like, I literally hyperventilate. I can't like people who go to see Phantom of the Opera with me usually never want to do it again. Um, (laughs) They're just so embarrassed and I don't blame them, but you know, Phantom, another reason why I would say is just because it literally covers everything. It's sexy. It's romantic. It's, you know, it's emotional, it's scary, it's, like, it's funny, it has, like, every single piece that you would look for, you know? Mm-hmm. You don't, like, past the point of no return is so sexy, and then you go from, like, the Phantom, like, screaming in the back saying, leave box five open, like, you know, getting chills because you can hear him from behind you, like, there's so many different things to it. And and I guess that's another reason why I love it because I haven't felt that really in another musical. Good points all around. Good points all around. So let's get into the awards. Now here's, this is kind of a a staple for this podcast, but we like to give out some awards to cast members uh, in these movies. And we have three awards to give. The first is called the Barbara award for who I feel who we feel uh, is the best singer in the entire movie, obviously named after Barbara Streisand, who I think has probably one of the most best voices of all time. Um, then we also have the opposite. We have the Russell Crowe Award, named after, <laughs> of course, Russell Crowe from Les Mis, um, to f- decide who is the worst singer, or, or least good, I should say, uh, singer uh, in this movie um, as well. Because sometimes, you know, you get a movie musical where everybody's amazing, so you have to pick one who's just not as amazing. Um, that happens sometimes. Or you just get some some terrible singers in this as well. Um, and then the final award, which is kind of 
you know unique in a way. It's called the Bumlet Award. Now, for those of you out there who don't know who Bumlet um, is, he is a character in Newsies, the movie, um, and uh, he is played by Dominic Lucero, who sadly has passed away. But uh, if, if for those of you who don't know who that character is, if you watch Newsies, watch the number King of New York. He's the guy spinning on the fan at the end of that song and then like does this cool spin thing and then lands on his feet grabs the paper and after that you just can't take your eyes off of him because he's obviously the best dancer in the ensemble so i wanted to create an award for someone that we see in the movie that is just so good in the background or supporting that just chews up scenes when every anytime they're in it or you can't take their eyes off of them um as you go through the movie and it can be a supporting member it can be someone in the background literally an extra uh, in the film it can be a dancer whoever um but i wanted to name that after a moment so let's start with the barbara award carly i'm gonna start with you who gets your Barbara Award for Phantom of the Opera? I'm going to go with Patrick Wilson as well. Yeah. I love his voice. I think he, he from top to bottom, I think he portrayed the role, you know, as best as he could. I think, you know, he showed emotion. Um, and just his vibrato was enough to give him that award. Um, because I just, I love his vibrato. He has such a beautiful and delicate voice. Um, but I really felt his passion in a lot of the scenes. And, and I, overall, I think he was the strongest singer in the, in the whole cast. You know what? I, I a hundred percent agree with you. I mean, Emmy Rossum to her credit, I mean, she's, she's trying and, and, you know, when you're singing one of the most iconic and challenging scores as a 16 year old female, um, who with mm-hmm. no real, I mean, she'd been trained as an opera singer as a, as a young kid, but, um, I mean, that's, that's a totally different level. So, I mean, she tries, but yeah, I, you know, it's just not, you want more from, from that, from that performance. And, um, yeah, I, I'm a hundred percent with you. Patrick Wilson. I, I love his voice. Um, he makes it look easy, which I, I, you know, I hate him for, <laughs> you know, it's like, man, you make, you make singing beautiful look so easy. And um, there's a great YouTube video. I, I recommend all of you try to find this um, of his actual. Um, I don't know if it's an audition or if it's a rehearsal, but he's singing his part of uh, Prima Donna. Um, and uh, it's absolutely gorgeous. And he when he hits that power note at the end, um, you're like, OK, that's why you are who you are. Um, and cool plug, because uh, we are recording this on. November 25th, um, he is actually playing the villain in Aquaman, which is coming out next month. So he's about wow. to, yeah, so he's about to blow up, um, which means we're never getting him back on Broadway ever again. Uh, he's <laughs> gone. Like, yeah, he's got, he's gone. He, he was already gone to begin with, but now he's, he's permanently gone. Uh, cause he's about to blow it up craziness. But yeah, I agree a hundred percent, uh, in a, in a cast of pretty much amazing singers all around, except for, you know, Gerard Butler. Um, yeah, Patrick Wilson gets my barber word. All right, I don't know if I mean this might be a pretty easy answer, but I mean we'll 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 check for the records here. Carly, who gets your Russell Crowe award as the worst or least great singer in this movie? Gerard Butler. <laughs> surprise, surprise, right? <laughs> right. I'm sure we're on the same page with that. I mean, again, like I said, he he's very handsome. Um, he he looks the part. He, I really, one of my favorite scenes ever is when in, during the final lair scene where she kisses him, you know, he, when he cries then, like, you can really feel his pain Mm. at that time. And I'm like, oh my God, I love you. This is great. 
um, but your voice still just doesn't do it for me. Um, so, yeah, that's why I'm going to give him the Russell Crowe Award <laughs> because he just doesn't. His voice, again, it like you said, has a very rockish type of feel. Mm-hmm. Not that he has a bad voice, but he was miscast in this show. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm a hundred percent with you. There there are moments, and I will I will always say that Gerard Butler is more talented of an actor than the work that he's given uh, when it comes to films. But I mean, there are moments where in in this film where you're like, oh yeah, he's bringing it. Like that's that's a great that's a really nuanced moment right there. But yeah, then his voice just just absolutely um, kills me um, on that end as well. So yeah, I mean, it really wasn't, um, you know, his his fault. I mean, he's really doing the best he can. But yeah, you're right, a hundred percent miscast. Um, again, I, I to this day I'll have no idea you had Ramin on set playing Christine's father. Just just dub him over. Just put put his voice in there. Arguably the best Phantom of all time. Uh, you know, but hey, what are you gonna do? All right, Bumble Award um, for best most standout ensemble background extra person, whoever, um, Carly, who is your choice for the Bumble award? I guess it's not, I know you said supporting is included, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm going to go with Madam Jury. Nice. Um, I, I liked her performance in this film. Um, every time that she was on screen, I, I was watching her, what she was doing. Um, I, I thought she did a great job, um, with the role. Um, and also I actually liked, um, Joseph Bouquet as well. Yeah. um, Kevin McNally. I liked him too. Yeah. So I think they were both tied for me. I wrote both of them down. Awesome. Hey, that you can have ties. You can have three-way ties if you wanted to. That's fine. Um, yeah, Kevin McNally, great choice for Bouquet, by the way. Um, and interesting enough, this was before... I mean, he would go on to become pretty well-known for the his role in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies um, later on. So this is kind of a nice precursor to that. But um, yeah, really strong performance there. For me, um, my I, I also had a tie. So yes, ties are, are allowed. Um, and my two choices, first of all, were Syrian Hines... Uh, who plays Furman uh, in this, because up until, like, Phantom, he had played very, like, stoic and non-emotive characters, um, very dark, brooding characters. Like, I saw him in Road to Perdition, and, like, you know, he was in the, the one of the um, Tomb Raider movies, and he just played very dark characters. So this was him kind of, like, being expressive and light and kind of seeing a lighter side of Siren Hines. Um, so I was like, hey, awesome. Like, complete different performer than i thought you were so good for you and then if you want to get even more obscure he's tied and again this is getting very obscure if you watch masquerade the actual number in the movie there is a guy who is standing literally in the front row when they're doing that that kind of march down the stairs at the climax of the song um and he's wearing a half black half white mask and he is just crushing the choreography like he you know there are people yeah. that look like they dance well he looks like he's loving every single step that he's doing and it just pulls your focus the entire number itself so um do for all of you listening to this do yourself a favor watch masquerade again you'll know exactly the guy i'm talking about he's got a fan and he's just going nuts with this thing so um kudos to that guy so fan guy from masquerade you get my you get my bumbling award um as well um carly last question 
for you um, about Phantom. Should this get a remake? What do you think? I think so. Um, with Sierra of August and Ramen Karamloo mm. in a film version of, or ever, not even just them, but everyone who was in that cast for for a film version of it, I I think that that would be incredible. Um, also, just to see them switch gears from stage to film, um, and to see them kind of you know dumb it down a little bit, but also still have ten times more emotion than you know Gerard or Emmy showed us in the film because Emmy you know was deer in headlights a lot of the time. Um, I, I mean. And I say that also just being a fan, because it's like, more fan than of the opera, bring it on, I'm not opposed to it, you know, but um, I don't think it would hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, in some respects, you can't get any worse. So, um, yeah, no, right. I, I, I do think, I'm, I'm with you, I think the studs should get a remake years from now, probably. Um Maybe not when it's playing on Broadway at the same time, because then, you know, people might miss it a little bit more and, and then be drawn to go see it um, a lot more as well. But I definitely think that it's worthy of a remake um, as well. Yeah. So um, good stuff all around. So that's kind of kind of do it for us uh, today on the Movie Musical Shakedown. Carly, thank you so much uh, for joining thank us. Thank you. Oh, my God. This is, is, is an incredible pleasure. Um, we have to do this again. We definitely yeah, have to do this again. Please. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. 100%, yes. Um, re- really quick, before we, we stop uh, the, the recording here, um, anything that you want to plug? I mean, obviously you're on social media. Um, you, you're in, you're, you mentioned that you're in Heather's right now. Um, real quick, give us your, your any social media channels that we can find you on. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my Instagram name, um, you can follow me on there. It's Carly, K-A-R-L-I, girl, G-I-R-L. That's my Instagram. Um, You can find me on Facebook um, at Carly, K-A-R-L-I, Marie Gunderson, which is G-U-N-D-E-R-S-E-N, and I'm in Tampa, Florida. Um, and also, if you're in the area, um, I will be playing Martha Dunstock in Heather's The Musical with Mad Theater at the Strad Center in Tampa. Um, and that goes up in February next year. So um, you can also find all the information at strazcenter.org. Um, or, of course, I post on social media every day. So you can go on my Facebook or Instagram to find tickets for that. So thank you so much, guys. Awesome. 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 And like I said, I cannot wait to see what Heather's looks like. I think that's going to be a phenomenal production uh, with you in it. So thanks for listening folks today. Again, once again, this has been the movie musical shakedown. We will see you right here next week with yet again, another movie musical. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day. Get change. All right. You, sir, how about a show? And in the end, should someone die? <laughs> My arms complete again. I bet you want to know why I shot the bastard. You're fucking bad. I hold a PhD in horribleness. See you at the aftermath. Peace.